Game one is in the books. One down, 15 more to go for Fear the Deer as they begin their quest for their second title and their first since 1971. What's up, everybody? It's the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP online with our app, Tanner Hoops, with you out of the studio today. Very special episode of the Sports Pen. I'm coming at you from downtown Milwaukee, where last night the Milwaukee Bucks made a statement. And that statement was, you're on notice, NBA. You're on notice, Golden State Warriors. They left no doubt last night, granted, over a Pistons team that was without their top player, but you got to give Milwaukee credit for the way they jumped out early and they kept their foot on the gas. 121 points in the postseason opener where you saw three road teams win on Saturday. There was some question, you know, with all the seedings going out the window, regular season means nothing anymore. Should we be so confident in the Bucks? Best record in the NBA going into the playoffs. Do we think that they're going to keep rolling? Playoffs are a whole different animal. Milwaukee silenced the crowd, jumped out to a 15-4 lead to start the game. They had 70 points at halftime. Originally 69-43, to they went back, they changed a point, and they say that there was a three-pointer instead of a two-pointer at some point in the second quarter, and Milwaukee was up 70-43 to at halftime. This game was over from the get-go. Frustration fouls as tempers started to mount, tempers started to win. Andre Drummond received a flagrant two in the second half. He was ejected. And then Blake Griffin, who wasn't in the game, was not active, received a technical on the bench. It just kind of summed up how the night went for Detroit. By the way, they borderlined the worst playoff loss in Detroit Piston history. That actually came at the hands of the St. Louis Hawks back in 1958, the Pistons' first year playing in Detroit. They lost 145-101. to they almost got to that level of embarrassment last night. They got their butts kicked, plain and simple. I'm not a Pistons hater. I'm not a Pistons lover. I'm a basketball observer. And they flat out got their butts kicked. The good news is they've got a good coach and they have time to regroup. They have time to figure out what went wrong and to make adjustments. They have still got at most six games to go to try and get by this hurdle, that is the Milwaukee Bucks. The problem is, even though that they've identified what the problem was, the problem for them now, how do you get Blake Griffin back on the floor and back to being the effective Blake Griffin that we know he can be? Blake Griffin was frustrated after the game. He's frustrated by his health. His knee is still continuing to bother him, but he said that it was a coach's decision to leave him out of the lineup, that if it was up to him, He'd be playing. He lives for the playoffs. Would he have changed the outcome of that game? Probably not. Got to give credit where credit's due. The way the Bucks were playing, Blake Griffin, as effective as he is, probably wouldn't have changed the outcome of that game. But you look at some of these inspirational stories where the team's best player goes down, and that makes the team rally around them. They fight for that injured player. You know, let's think about Booby Miles in... The great football movie, Friday Night Lights. Blake is Booby. Booby Miles gets hurt. The team rallies around. They come up, what, a yard short of the state championship? Here the Pistons need to rally around the way that the Permian Panthers did in wake of Booby Miles' injury. Except here's the thing. As much as I love those movies, and I do, and I think there are a lot of real-life examples that are similar to it, this is not one of those. 
Okay, the Pistons to beat Milwaukee just flat out have to have Blake Griffin on the floor. There is no other way. But they need him on the floor. If they want any chance of beating Milwaukee, this Bucks team is just too good to go in without him. They might even be too good with him. This is a Bucks team that seriously can contend for the NBA title this year. The way they were knocking down trays, they were doing it with efficiency from behind the arc. It was that kind of game where Giannis barely had to play in the second half. If there's any doubt as to who is the NBA MVP after this weekend, you haven't been watching basketball closely enough. Because Giannis, in my mind, solidified himself. And I really thought that he was a long and heavy favorite for the MVP coming into this weekend. It only solidifies that for me after what I saw last night. I've got some audio that I want to play for you as we continue to dissect the game. I went behind the scenes afterwards. I got some comments from both coaches, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Pistons, you know, it was a frustrating game. I don't hold this against them. The Pistons did, the players chose not to make themselves available to the general media. The, and, and you know what? I understand that. I've, you know, from my own playing experience way back in high school and, you know, high school tennis even, uh, if I had a bad match and I knew it, there weren't people I wanted to talk to afterwards. You know, I played baseball for a year in high school. If I had a bad game, you know, I certainly didn't want to hear, you know, good job, you know, when I knew it wasn't. And I get that, you know, on some levels. I get why the Pistons decided not to make themselves available to the media because of that. But I did get some audio from both head coaches, some vastly different uh, tones, should we say, in that press conference. And then Giannis and Chris Middleton. I think you're going to like those two uh, when we get to those interviews. We're going to break all that down. We're going to recap the weekend and take a look at it in review. Plus, a look at where the NBA and NHL playoff pictures stand as we get set for tonight's matchups, Monday night. First, let's start with the Mike Budenholzer audio. By the way, congrats to Coach Bud. He was just named the NBA Coaches Association Coach of the Year, an extremely well-deserved honor for him. Here's a listen behind the scenes from Coach Bud's presser last night. It's not easy when uh, you don't get to play maybe the last couple games or the last game. You've got a lot of time in between games. Uh, so I just, you know, I think the guys have a lot of built-up uh, you know, just ready, readiness, I guess, whatever word you want to use. But uh, good win for us. Now we just got to be humble in victory, get ready for uh, the second game, take the same focus into game two. So Milwaukee shot out of the gate. They never trailed. This thing was over probably after the first quarter. And yet the team stayed focused. They went deep into the bench, and they still managed to get 121 points. So not only did they jump out to that hot start, they maintained the focus necessary to finish in an emphatic way. And Coach Bud addressed that as well. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it obviously stands out, you know, I think to, to sustain it for basically, you know, the entire game, um, have very few, if any, you know, let-ups. Uh, you know, it speaks to kind of, I think, the hunger of the group, the character of the group. Giannis needs to win this year's MVP award. I'd like to say he's going to, but I don't know with the unpredictability of the NBA. I don't think there should be any doubt anymore, not after last night, but the way Giannis is able to continually raise the bar for himself is something that his two closest rivals in the MVP race haven't been able to do. Harden is stagnated, granted at a high level, he's not raising the bar for himself like Giannis is, neither is Paul George. 
Coach Bud addressed that in the presser as well. I mean, it's what we've been seeing from Giannis all year. So, um, you know, I think he's he's prepared himself. He's ready, and um, you know, he expects a lot of himself, and you know, he delivers a lot of times. The Bucks also got a boost with Nikola Mirotich returning to the lineup. He missed 11 games due to injury. Came back in a pretty good way. Put on a good little performance last night. Coach Bud was happy with it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, you know, that you mentioned, he got 15 minutes. You know, I think uh, obviously probably didn't have it mapped out for him to get quite that many. But I think his conditioning's in a pretty decent place because he's been able to do a lot with his lower body. And um, so, you know, I, I think just for him to knock off the rust, for him to, you know, see a couple baskets go in, keep shooting it, um, he's going to be a big part of what we do going forward. It'd be very easy to make the case that this was the most balanced the Bucks' offense has been since Malcolm Brogdon went down. And when you're sharing the sugar like they were last night, it doesn't matter if Blake Griffin's in the lineup or not. It doesn't matter if the other team's best player is in the lineup or not. You're going to win a lot of ball games. Well, you know, we've talked all year about just taking what the defense gives you, and every night it can be somebody different. Every half it can be somebody different. Um, you know, I think it's a huge positive for us that, you know, we can score at the rate we're scoring and, you know, Chris may have a quiet half or Bled may have a quiet half and um, there's always areas to improve. We can get better offensively, but, uh, you know, I, I, I love it when I see a box score when lots of guys are participating, lots of guys are, you know, having good games and uh, we're not totally dependent on just, you know, um, you know, those top three guys, top four, top five guys. So we're getting it from a lot of different places. I brought up earlier in the second half, Andre Drummond was called for a flagrant two foul and was ejected from the game. That led to Blake Griffin picking up a technical foul from the bench as well. And again, Griffin not active in the game. Earned this as a spectator. Coach Bud was asked about that foul. Here's what he had to say. Um, you know, I actually didn't see any of the replays. It, it seemed pretty obvious uh, in the heat of the moment that it was a flagrant one. And... Uh, you know, he gave him a good push. It's part of the playoffs. It's, uh, it didn't seem like anything um, besides it's obviously a flagrant, but uh, it's, it's part of the game. George Hill continues to be the unsung hero of this Bucks offensive attack. You sing the praises of Middleton and Giannis, as you should. But George Hill doesn't always get the recognition that he deserves. But he's quietly one of the most consistent players in the Eastern Conference this year. Coach Bud had some thoughts on that as well. Yeah, it, you know, I think his aggressiveness offensively has become uh, more consistent, more steady. Um, you know, he's such a great teammate. Sometimes he defers. He wants other people to do things. But he and I have had a couple of good conversations. He's at his best. Whatever team he plays on is at their best when he's aggressive. And I think he's feeling that and sensing that and taking advantage of his opportunities. And I thought he was a big part of that first half, a big part of us sustaining our kind of pressure on both ends of the court. Um, it's great when you can come off the bench with a guy like George Hill. Mentioned earlier in the show that three road teams lost on Saturday. The question was posed to Coach Bud whether the players were aware of that, and that was used as motivation when getting ready for last night's game. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but, I mean, you know, we all have phones and TVs and all the other devices, so I'm sure the players saw it. I'm sure the coaches, I saw it. Um, you know, it's something that you take notice of, and it's just a reminder that, you know, the regular season's done, seedings and home court at the end of the day can be meaningless. And so you have to bring the focus that our guys brought, um, whether they watched it or they even know or it had any impact, I have no idea. 
It took a few minutes, but eventually the elephant in the room was addressed, and that was the absence of Blake Griffin from last night's game. Well, he's such a focal point of their offense. He does so many things for them um, with the ball. He's a very unique big, and that you know he can be the ball handler in pick and rolls. They can have big guys come in setting screens for him in pick and rolls. They have small guys come in setting screens for him in pick and roll. Then he can just play one on one from the post. Um, he's a significantly improved three point shooter, so he's got a great pump fake and go game from the three point line. He he's Blake Griffin. He's a dynamic um, offensive player, scorer, athlete. Um, you know he's you know um, he's good. So he makes a big difference. Earlier in the presser, Coach mentioned the need to stay humble. You know, they got the big win in game one, but that 121 to 86 score, that doesn't mean anything anymore. All that matters now is the one nothing series lead. Doesn't matter if you won by one or you won by 21 in game one. Doesn't matter. Now, you got to do it all over again. You got to do it three more times to move on. How do you keep the team humble? moving forward well we'll look at the film you know we'll I, I always believe film sessions are the best place it's um it's where you can see where you need to improve and get better see areas where they're you know they got some things done today um and can we get better and know that you know blake griffin may or may not play it doesn't matter we have to have the respect we have to have the humility um over the next couple days and going into game two since taking over as head coach of the box coach bud has stressed defense he's emphasized getting stops on the defensive end. He was really happy with the way Brooke Lopez protected the rim last night. Yeah, no, I thought his activity was good, his reads and, um, you know, kind of making decisions. Uh, and if, you know, whether it's, you know, contesting a guard, you know, shooting the floaters and the as they get closer and closer to the basket or the dump-offs to, to Drummond and then going back and contesting him. Um, Brooks just got a really good natural knack and feel for that. And, um, you know, I, I thought he was very good. Lastly, Coach Bud addressed something that Dwayne Casey did strategy-wise in the second half, and that was switching Andre Drummond onto Giannis. He was asked whether that made a difference or affected the game or made life more difficult for Giannis. Here was his response. Um, you know, like you said, I think it was a fairly um, short stretch, and you know, a lot of teams have put their fives on Giannis during the year, so uh, whether it's Drummond or Gobert or different guys, he's seen it. Um, I think he's got a great plan of attack. Uh, we'll continue to just take what the defense gives us, and Giannis will do the same thing um, wherever those opportunities are, whether it's a five or a four or a small guard in him. Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer after last night's 121-86 win over Detroit in the Eastern Conference quarterfinals game one. We owe you a timeout when we come back. I've got Dwayne Casey audio. We'll break things down from his perspective next in Sports Pen on ESPN. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad that you're with us for a very special Sports Pen. Again, I'm out of the office today. I'll be back tomorrow. This show is coming at you from downtown Milwaukee, where last night. The Bucs dismantled the Pistons 121-86 in Game 1 of their Eastern Conference quarterfinal series, and it was a complete dismantling. Whether Blake Griffin was on the floor or not, I don't think it would have mattered. I think we can all come to that consensus. I don't want to rip on the Pistons. That's not why I'm here. But you got to be honest, it was a frustrating night, and the team knew that. The players did not make themselves available to the media after the game. The Pistons players... So it was Dwayne Casey that came out and faced us, faced the media. 
And again, I don't hold that against the Pistons. I know what that's like coming off a really bad, embarrassing loss. And, you know, you just need some time to to be alone, to process things, need some me time after that. I get that. I'm not holding that against them. So Dwayne Casey came to the podium, and he was visibly frustrated, as you're going to hear here in a couple of minutes. Frustrations had been boiling over well before the game ended. A couple of hard fouls early on in the first half, Thon Maker was called for a hard shot against Giannis. It ended up being ruled a common foul after a review. Uh, later on, Andre Drummond was called for a flagrant two and was ejected from the game. Blake Griffin then received a technical foul on the bench. He was in street clothes. And again, we're going to get to that here in a few minutes. Dwayne is going to address that. But frustrations boiled over well before the game ended. And it was easy to see why. And if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. It's more than just getting blown out. It's more than giving up 121 points, but it's how it happened. Seven different players getting double figures. The Bucks, we know how deep they are, how balanced they are, how Coach Bud's system brings the best out of the role player guys. But when they seemingly can't miss from behind the arc, yeah, it's going to get a little frustrating. A guy like Thon Maker, I'm not defending his actions, but you go back to a place where you started your career, you've played most of your career, and you know the fans are hostile to you, and they were even before he had the hard foul against Giannis. I'm not defending Thon Maker's actions. I'm just saying I see where the frustration came from. The Bucks made 15 three-pointers last night, and it's not like the defense was awful for Detroit. I mean, were there some lapses? Absolutely. But they were getting hands in the faces of shooters, and they still just can't miss from three. We can also take a moment to admire that the Bucks attempted 43 three-pointers. Pistons, by comparison, 8 of 27 from behind the arc. And really, they had one guy going from deep last night, and that was Luke Kennard. And Dwayne made some comments. He's going to address that situation a little bit later on as well. And I give Coach Casey credit. He came out. He faced the media. Not easy to do. He made it clear he wanted to get out of there. But you got to expect that he is going to come back out in Game 2 on Wednesday night, and he's going to have this group revamped. Blake Griffin probably will be in the lineup. And Coach Casey, the Coach of the Year from last year, going up against the current Coach of the Year and Mike Budenholzer, those two going at each other is going to be a ton of fun. We are going to get that matchup at full strength, the chess match that is going to be the 1-8 matchup in the Eastern Conference quarterfinal round. Let's get to the Dwayne Casey audio. Let's hear what he had to say following last night's loss to Milwaukee. Everybody hurry. Any questions? I mean, I guess I'll start. Obviously, it doesn't go the way you wanted tonight, but just what did you think you guys did well? Against well, again, they're, they're a great team. You know, we didn't meet the level of physicality. Uh, and then we tried. We, you know, got some cheap fouls. But uh, we got the speed of the game we've got to get up to. Again, they're a great team. They're averaging 117. We were all over the map defensively. Didn't get anything done. Um, but uh, we got another level we have to get to with our with our intensity, uh, physicality, because uh, they're coming through there with violence. I mean, you know, Euro-stepping, you know, throwing elbows and stuff like this. So we got to make sure we get our level of, of com competitiveness up uh, to start the game, because you can't spot a, a great team like this that many points and expect to get back into it.
A few things to take away from that portion. First of all, he really doesn't want to talk to us. He, he's in a hurry to get out of there, and I don't hold that against him. You know, it, it was an embarrassing loss. It was a tough one, and he's a coach that holds himself to such a high standard. He's a winner about everywhere he goes. And again, I don't, you know, hold it against him, but, you know, he didn't want to talk to the media after something like that, and it's hard to blame him. He did say that, he felt the Bucks were coming through with a level of intensity that he called violent at one point. He said that they were coming through with elbows, meaning the Bucks Euro stepping in with elbows and with violence. And you know, if that's true, I don't, I don't know. You know, there's an argument to be had either way. But Casey is insinuating here that the frustration that the Pistons displayed later on the game was brought about by the physicality that the Bucks established early on, that the Bucks were the ones who started being physical and that the Pistons were trying to match that physicality when some of those frustration fouls seemed to occur. I'm not saying that's what I believe. That's what Dwayne Casey is trying to get you to believe from that last portion of his audio segment. I don't know if that's correct or not. I'm just giving you the Piston side of things because we gave you the Buck side of things before the break. He was also asked about his team's defensive effort. And again, there were some times where there were total lapses on the three-point shooting. I thought Detroit did a fairly good job getting hands in shooters' faces. Milwaukee is just that good of a team from behind the arc. They're going to make you pay no matter what kind of defense that you put on. They're going to get theirs. They're a team that can shoot the ball, and they're going to show it off. But for the first-year Pistons head coach, the frustration didn't seem to be on their closeouts, but rather their ability and or willingness to get back on defense and play possession to possession. Defensively, uh, you had some, some issues there, particularly the start of the game. How do you go about whether or not... Well, we got to get back. You know, that's where it's starting. Our transition defense was suspect. Uh, <clears throat> it's not a regular season game. And that's, again, a, a sign of a team that hasn't been there uh, enough. And, uh, you know, that's on me. I've got to make sure I prepare them for, you know, and it's hard to do it when you talk about it until you go through the night to see how fast, how hard, uh, how intense a playoff game is. Um, and I thought we picked it up after that, which was a positive. <clears throat> when it came to addressing how the team performs without Blake Griffin, without Andre Drummond in the second half of last night's game, who does the team turn to? Who do they look for for leadership? Who is the guy that guides this squad? And you're going to need those guys. In the, I mean, you just are. You're going to need Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond in the lineup if you're going to try and beat the Milwaukee Bucks, especially in a best-of-seven series. You just flat-out do. Despite that, Dwayne Casey believes that he's got good enough guys on his bench. He's got good enough guys in the lineup without those two that they should be more competitive than they were last night. Dwayne, from, from my outsider's perspective, it seems like it's, it's easy to see that you guys feed off of Blake and you feed off of Andre. So when Blake is out and Andre gets ejected, who do you look towards? What do well, you do? again, we still have Reggie. Reggie uh, Jackson's still there. Uh, again, you don't replace, it'll be like them not having to answer Kumpo or, 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 you know, back in the day when LeBron was in Cleveland not playing. So it's a big blow, but yet still it doesn't affect our intensity, our level of fight to start the game. I mean, we picked it up as the game went on, but again, it was too late. You dig yourself such a big hole. Uh, so we've got to come out of the locker room, not in a festive smile and, you know, hey, no, no, it's, it's a battle. It's about they they had they got their level up a lot quicker than we did just you know on the jump ball so we got to understand that know that 
understand what we're trying to do offensively, defensively, understand what we're doing. And if my bads, you, know, you can't have a lot of those, especially to start the game. One bright spot for the Pistons last night was the offensive play of Luke Kennard. He had 21 points off the bench on 8 of 14 shooting. He made four of the team's eight three-pointers on the night. He went to Duke. He knows what high-pressure games and high-pressure situations are all about. Yet the NBA playoffs are a different animal. And Coach was happy that Luke Kennard was able to get that kind of experience last night. Coach is challenging him to be better on the defensive end as well. Dwayne, a couple of days ago you said that you like this experience because you could see, maybe gauge certain things about guys you can't the regular season from Luke in particular in the first half. What'd you see? I thought Luke came out. Uh, he was one guy that had his offensive game going, but again, it's two sides. Everybody has got to come back down and guard, guard on the other end, but I liked the way Luke was being aggressive offensively. Uh, and again, it's a great experience for him to see how hard it is to score in the playoff setting. Uh, and, and how intense you have to be when you do go back down the other end. But I was really happy to see Luke, and he's been playing that way for the last couple of weeks. Casey was asked about the flagrant two foul that ended Andre Drummond's night. His thought process, needless to say, differed a little bit from Mike Budenholzer's. Coach, uh, on the flagrant two, uh, your comment about that, did you think it was a flagrant two? I didn't think it was a flagrant they, they were trying to get the game under control. I, I, I've seen way a lot harder fouls in a playoff setting than that. But I understood what they were doing. But what I didn't understand was official coming over, having a conversation with a player that's not even playing and giving them a technical. So I've got to get an explanation for that. You know, you start a conversation, you have a conversation, and all at once it, you let it get heated instead of walking away. Uh, and, you know, again, it's a hot situation. Walk to the other side of the floor instead of trying to have a conversation. So uh, I understood what they were trying to do. And, and you know, I got to look at it and see if it was warranted. But I've seen a lot from a, from a layman's eye. I've seen a lot harder flagrant fouls. Do you think more like a flagrant one? Or it should have been. But, again, I understood what they were trying to do. Straight from the coach's mouth. Dwayne Gacy shares his thoughts with us following last night's loss to Milwaukee, 121-86. Game two set for Wednesday night. The Pfizer Forum, a great place for a basketball game, brand new arena, and ESPN-UP was there for its first ever NBA playoff game. Bucks are certainly hoping that there will be plenty more home games coming up from now until June. Tell you what, you heard from both head coaches following last night's Game 1 in the Eastern Conference quarterfinals. We owe you a timeout. When we come back, we're going to switch and get the player perspective. I've got audio from Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo. That audio, plus a look around the sporting landscape from this weekend, the weekend in review, and a look at the NHL and NBA playoff pictures. All that more coming up on this episode of the Sports Pen. Stick with us on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Here is your Sports Center update. Tiger Woods, Masters champion once again for the fifth time in his career. Tiger claims a Masters crown. The United States women's national hockey team won gold yesterday at the Women's World Championships. LSU has reinstated men's basketball coach Will Wade after he was involved in a recruiting scandal. And that shouldn't come as much of a surprise to us. If they wanted him fired, it would have happened by now. If they didn't plan on bringing him back, they would have already fired him. They would have fired him as soon 
as this scandal broke news. So that is your Sports Center update. Again, we're going to recap the weekend, what went on. We're going to take a look at the NHL and NBA playoff standings as they are right now. But we've got reaction from Milwaukee Bucks players Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo following last night's victory over the Pistons 121-86 to in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Again, ESPN-UP was at the Pfizer Forum for its inaugural NBA playoff game, the first of many at that beautiful arena's history. Had a great time last night. Met Giannis. I met Kareem. People still love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's still very much beloved by Bucks fans. If you're not a Bucks fan, you think of him as a Laker first. Not the case with Milwaukee fans. Anyway, it was just another night at the office for Giannis. My pick for the MVP award this year. And to me, it's not close. Giannis has got to be this year's most valuable player. Just another night for him. 24 points, 17 rebounds, does it on 9 of 17 shooting. Didn't even need to play him in the fourth quarter. Giannis continues to elevate his game and raise the bar for himself. Every time it looks like he's hit his ceiling, he smashes through it and he builds a new one. James Harden and Paul George have been impressive this year, but they haven't done that like Giannis has. Giannis continues to be even more impressive. Chris Middleton, 14 points, including four triples last night as the Bucks route the Pistons. They were available to talk to the media afterwards. Here's what they had to say. The way you guys started the game, do you feel like you, you sent the message that you wanted to send tonight? I think we did a great job just uh, setting the tone, um, playing hard, playing together. You know, Pistons is a really good team, but we did not set a tone, and uh, that's why we were able to get a win tonight. Chris, we talk a lot about the offensive balance of this team, and I, I think if you think back to 12 months ago where it felt like both of you guys had to have this huge night for the team to win tonight, uh, you were able to sort of work your way into the game. How good does that feel for you, I guess, to be able to, to know that you don't need to do it all? Uh, it's, it's great. I mean, um, I think it's been like that for most of the year where I know I know how to force shots, take tough shots. I mean, you know, play within the offense. And uh, tonight, the guys were great. Giannis did a great job of uh, starting us off right and being in that aggressive attack mode. And everybody else, we just made plays for one another and did knock down shots. And Giannis, uh, he started the game super aggressive. And we spoke a lot during the week about playing on Thon. You were able to get two foul calls on him in the, in the first two minutes of the game, I think. Uh, what did you see from him defending you? I know you've played against each other a lot, but it looked like you were certainly looking to be aggressive. <coughs> you know, obviously, um, Fan's a great player, a uh, great defender. Uh, I was just trying to make plays. Uh, I was able to get to the, uh, get to the free throw line and get an easy layup for my teammate. But uh, as Chris said, I was just trying to be aggressive. You know, start the game being aggressive and uh, I knew if I was in that uh, yeah, aggressive mode the whole game, I would think no harm. Giannis, before the game, Thon had mentioned that it's weird. Like, this is just a weird experience to, to be on the other team. For you, what was it like? What, were you feeling the same kind of thing going up against a guy that you've spent so much time with? <coughs> of course, it feels weird. Thon uh, is my uh, mother brother. Uh, knowing uh, since he came to the league, We've been uh, friends, but at the end of the day, I know he's a competitor. I know he's going to come out here and try to do whatever it takes to help his team win. That's what he did tonight. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when we go out there, both of us, we don't take nothing for granted. You know, being in the playoffs, you never know when you're going to be in the playoffs again. So I think that 
both of us did a great job just playing hard and uh, doing our job tonight and not seeing uh, you know uh, this game as to reunite, uh, reunite our friendship. Tanner here again. I just want to jump in there real quick. I would love to know behind closed doors what the relationship is like between Thon Maker and his former teammates with the Milwaukee Bucks. Because the relationship between Thon Maker and the Bucks fans is not good. And they were going after him pretty well. And they really intensified after he let his game become more physical. And whether that was a result of frustration or he was trying to match the physicality of Giannis that he displayed early on as they were alluding to, that remains to be seen. That's in the eye of the beholder. Make no mistake, Giannis was aggressive early on in the game. He was attacking the basket. He was drawing fouls. They said that he got Thon Maker to pick up a couple of fouls. And I know that Giannis is a good guy. You know, he's a likable guy. He's a guy that everybody can come together and really appreciate as a basketball player. Not everybody can do that with LeBron James. Not everybody can do that with Steph Curry. Not everyone did that with Kobe or MJ. Giannis is one of those guys that everybody seems to like. And why shouldn't they? Because during pressers, he maintains the image that he does. And maybe he wasn't maintaining anything. Maybe he really does think of Thon Maker as his younger brother. But I'd love to hear the answer from Giannis himself behind closed doors. No media, no cameras. Because Thon Maker certainly didn't feel at home at the Pfizer Forum, where just a few months ago, that was his home. I don't know if the relationship, if you asked Thon Maker if the relationship were as rosy for him as Giannis makes it out to be. Speaking of that, he has that hard fall on you there in the second quarter. Just It, it, it looked like you hit your head, shoulder. There's, is there any, I guess, residual pain coming from that for you? Uh, no. Uh, of course, he, uh, he did his job. It was a common foul, and um, we played through it. Chris, two days ago you had said that you didn't feel like maybe this past month the defense has been as sharp as it could be. Is this as sharp as it gets, or how did the performance feel on the defense end tonight? I think it's great. Um, I think we're physical without foul. Um, uh, Falling out the DHO as much as possible. Um, Brooke did a great job contesting out the rim and rebounding and taking Andre Drummond um, off the glass. I think as, as a group, we all had each other's back. Everybody did their job and their man and their assignments. And then when uh, rotations came um, to help out other guys, we were sharp with that. So. I would definitely say so. It was great. Chris, from a minutes perspective, does that seem like, like an ideal game one where, you know, half constant becomes your minutes later on a given night? I mean, if, if we win like that, for sure. I mean, um, you know, we've had a lot of games this year where we haven't, you know, necessarily played too many minutes. Um, but that's just mean the team is, is doing our job as, you know, a group. Um, guys are, are coming in off the bench. The stars are doing their job. So, I mean, if Pat's leading us in minutes and we're winning these ball games, I don't think you're going to anybody complain, especially Pat. <laughs> <laughs> For reference, it is true. Pat Connaughton led the Bucks in minutes with 28. Played well, 10 points and 8 rebounds. I'm partial to Pat Connaughton because he's given me so many great memories as not only a Notre Dame basketball player, but an Notre Dame baseball player, and I've followed his career for a long time. One of the two seniors that were driving that 2015 Vining Irish team that came up just a little bit short in their upset bid over undefeated Kentucky at that time. I did not think that he would translate to the NBA better than Jaron Grant, the other star player from that team has, but here we are. I'm happy for Connaughton. He's kind of been a journeyman. His old team in Portland won yesterday as well, but Pat Connaughton is a guy with 
a really good skill set. And I think Bucks fans are going to continue to find that out and be really happy with his performance. Let's put it this way. If he's the guy that goes in in garbage time and plays the way that he does, puts up the numbers that he does, you're going to be pretty happy. That means you're a pretty good ball team. And again, I'm not partial to Condon when I say that. I am partial to Condon overall, but the numbers back him up. Uh, Giannis, on the flagrant, on Drummond, uh, what, what was your take on that? And do you feel like more of this is coming in the playoffs? Are the referees going to have to protect you uh, because you're going to be getting some hard fouls like this? That was obvious already in game one. You know, uh, as a team, we talked about, talk about it um, to try to keep our composure whenever uh, the uh, opening team uh, try to follow us harder. Um, we say we got to keep our composure, we got to do our job, and uh, our job is to win games. Um, obviously, I'm not going to look from the you know the referees for protection. I just got to play smart and uh, try to uh, you know avoid the situation. You guys obviously came in today locked in, focused, playing you know well as a team. After a big win like tonight, how do you roll that over to the next game? Um, I don't think you look at the scoreboard. The scoreboard, what you know, the final outcome was. So at practice tomorrow, whenever we do look at the film, uh, get the adjustments that Bud wants to make, get our game plan, and come back with the same mindset, attacking, being aggressive, um, starting with our defense, and then just play with pace. Giannis, I know you're very routine-oriented, but is there anything you do maybe a little bit differently come playoff time just to, to that would lead to that added intensity that it seemed like you brought to start this game? No, actually, I ain't doing nothing differently. I just, you know, try to take, take it out of my body, uh, get some shots up, uh, lock in. I usually do the same stuff. Uh, when I start changing stuff, that's when I, you know, get out of my routine and I'm not the same uh, player. Uh, can I, help, I can help my team in the same way, so I just try to stick with the same routine uh, that I've been doing all season long. Nothing, nothing, change, nothing changes in the playoff, it's just a basketball game. Chris, when you, when you said that you sometimes don't look at the score, do you mean it's something that comes from feel and other times where the score is reflecting one thing but the feel on the court is not reflecting the same, perhaps, dominance you're seeing on the scoreboard? Uh, it's just more it's just not playing the score. We had a big lead going to halftime, uh, going to the third and fourth quarter. When you tend to look at the scoreboard and you realize you have a huge lead like that, you tend to let down. Um, you tend to slip, um, and that's not the right way to play play the game or to finish the game. Um, you don't want to get them any type of rhythm or anything they see that they can uh, take advantage of. So just try to play the game in the right way um, and not play the score. I want to stop the tape for just a moment. You can hear some crinkling sounds in the background in that interview. Chris Middleton had a paper bag he brought in with him to the interview room. I have no idea what was in it. I just know he didn't want to let it go. And a staffer finally says, Chris, you're not going to do the interview with your paper bag. You're going to have to leave that with me. And Chris got so antsy and he made the paper bag man stand next to him. He just didn't want to be far from his bag. I don't know what it was or what was in it. But you can certainly hear in the background that whatever it was, very important, very precious to Chris Middleton. Uh, as long as he keeps playing at the level that he has been, I'm sure Bucks fans are going to advocate for him to have as much time with his paper bag or whatever its contents might be. Chris Middleton doesn't focus on the score. Because if the Pistons can win on Wednesday night, 
if even if they do it by one, two points, something like that, they win at the buzzer, then it doesn't matter that you blew them out of the water on Sunday night. It doesn't matter. You're even in the eyes of the series. Plus, home court advantage essentially shifts to Detroit. So I like that mental approach from Chris Middleton. That's how you keep yourself humbled and focused. They asked that question of Mike Budenholzer earlier. I'm glad that Chris Middleton got his chance to answer that question as well. Now Giannis gets to end the night with my favorite line from the entire evening. Giannis, uh, Dwayne after the game said something about how their guys weren't quite ready for the speed, the pace, the physicality of the playoffs. When you think back to your first playoff series, do, do you feel like you really comprehend just how different the, the playoffs can be and you know how much faster and more physical it's going to be? First of all, I want to remember that from my uh, first playoff series. <laughs> <laughs> A few days ago, I was thinking about it and I actually realized I don't remember nothing. But, um, of course, the teams are more physical, as you can see. Um, a lot of uh, fouls, more fouls. Uh, the pace is uh, extremely more you know, faster, but um, I don't know if they, they were ready for us. Uh, but I think uh, I just tried, we just tried to focus on ourselves. You know, we just tried to play with pace, um, try to rebound the ball, help Brook rebound the ball, and uh, just run to our spots and uh, try to make plays. That was my favorite quote from Giannis. I don't remember anything from my first playoff series. I'm not allowed to. He's a great quote, a great interview, a great basketball player as well. Again, if he doesn't get MVP this year, he got robbed. It's a crime. Giannis is this year's MVP, and it is not close. So that's a look back at last night's matchup, a 121-86 win for Milwaukee, they take a one nothing lead in the series. Coming up, we'll review the weekend that encompasses all the wide world of sports. Plus, we'll take a look at where we go from here. I'm talking NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. That's how we finish out this special edition of the Sports Pen from downtown Milwaukee. Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Honesty time here in segment 4 of The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Online with our app, Tanner Hoops with you. Being honest here. Don't have to say it out loud. You can be honest with yourself. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you're in a relationship and it ends and you didn't want it to, you're trying to get over this person, they're so special to you, and you're almost there and then some little reminder comes along and opens up those wounds again? I'm going through something like that, but with a song. By now, I'm sure everybody's heard the Lil Nas X Billy Ray Cyrus, Old Town Road Remix. That thing's so catchy. It's worse than Baby Shark. I talked about it on the show a little bit last week. It just gets stuck in your head, and it just keeps going away and hammering at your brain. And you feel like, well, maybe I'm finally over. Maybe i found a way to distract myself from it. I was feeling like that last night when I was exploring the Pfizer Forum. I was feeling like... Maybe I finally got that song out of my head. You know, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was taken up with the beautiful new arena and the basketball game coming up. And then they start playing Old Town Road over the speakers. And I'm right back to where I started. I can't get that song out of my head. And I hate how it's so catchy. You know, it's I can't even hate the song because I like it. 
But you get to be real sick of it real fast when it starts playing over and over in your head 16 hours a day. Out of the office today. I'll be back in the studio tomorrow. I'm still in Milwaukee. Get set for the five-so-hour drive home after this. Great time down here, though. It's a great city. It was my first Bucks and Pistons game, so it was really fun to be able to experience that and was able to share a lot of it with you. We have a video, some highlights, some backstage analysis. All that is available on our Facebook page. And uh, check us out on Twitter while you're at it, at ESPNUP. You can find our behind-the-scenes video there as well. Well, for the first 45 minutes or so of this show, we've been looking in the past. We've been looking back at last night's game. Keep looking back, because a lot happened this weekend not getting the attention it deserves. Here's one that probably doesn't fall into that category, because it seems like everyone is abuzz about Tiger winning the Masters. Fist pump! Tiger is a majors champion again for the first time since 2008. I'm at a a weird place emotionally with this. Tiger's one of those people who, I mean, let's be honest, he was a dud of a personality. You know, he's a guy that people would tend to be okay with seeing fail. But at the same point, I don't think that's what any of us wanted. I think all of us, if not most of us, were rooting for this guy. And we were happy when he got his Masters Championship. Because whenever applicable, we don't like to focus on whatever dud of a personality a sports superstar might be. That's the case with Tiger, because no matter what his off-the-course issues were, this is a generational talent, one of the best to ever do it. And he's overcome three back surgeries. He's gotten back to where he is. I mean, he's been good at Augusta before. Putting's always been his downfall. We said on the show last week, at one point when we were monitoring the leaderboards, he was tied for 81st at one point. And again, I know that's still early, but everything that's stacked against him, and he still comes roaring back. Here he is. People weren't talking about him. They were talking about Bryson DeChambeau or Brooks Kepka. People were writing Tiger off. And I think that's what makes his story so appealing. So yeah, despite his problems in his personal life, on days like this, we don't think of Tiger the unfaithful husband. We think about Tiger the champion, Tiger the golf legend. I think that's what makes his story so appealing. Why, despite all his personal faults, we're ready to forgive him at a moment's notice because now he can putt. Tiger learned how to putt. And all that leads to Tiger's rightful place in this generation, and that is atop the golf world. That being said, I am not going to pretend that I watched any of the Masters. I cannot stand watching golf, and that's nothing against golf. I played tennis in high school. I nearly played in college and ended up deciding to go the radio route because I was going pro in one, not the other. And I hate watching tennis. Can't stand it. So I'm falling into the category of maybe the 0.1% of America who didn't watch either the Masters or Game of Thrones. Didn't watch either of them. Big weekends for both of them, but I don't know. I wouldn't know. For the NHL, a lot of teams already have three games under their belt. Some of them have two. Everybody's got at least one out of the way in the NBA. So what are the biggest storylines? What are the biggest takeaways that we can garner from everybody's first NBA playoff game. Well, the Bucks 
look every bit like they could contend for an NBA championship. I'm not overreacting because they beat a Blake Griffinless Pistons team, but this team looks every bit like the real deal. Let's just say they've given us no reason to think that they shouldn't contend for the NBA championship. We learn that the Nuggets, despite being a two-seed, do not know how to finish big games. It was a surprise that they were even in the two-slot. And when you go up against a team like the Spurs, who are consistently in the playoffs, consistently making runs in the playoffs, you're vulnerable. It was a rough final minute for Denver, as they let one slip away against San Antonio. I wouldn't say that we learned that the road to the NBA Finals won't be a cakewalk for the Warriors. I think we already knew that. The Clippers reinforced it. They lost 121-104 to a couple of nights ago, but they played them tough. They're a scrappy team, and they're not the team that you want to see in the first round, not the way that they're playing, especially not when you have Doc Rivers at the helm. We learned that maybe the two teams in the Eastern Conference who went all in on a title this season should be hitting the panic button right about now. Toronto loses to Orlando. DJ Augustine, a cold-blooded killer, knocks down the game winner with just over a second to play. And then Philadelphia, taken down by Brooklyn. Again, that really wasn't even close. Brooklyn controlled that, and they dominated by much more than the 111-102 score would indicate. I tell you what, in the media hospitality room at the Pfizer Forum last night, I'm not going to name names because it wasn't told to me, but... There were a couple of media members discussing the Sixers-Nets game. More specifically, they were talking about the way this team was built. You have Joel Embiid, the de facto leader of the group. You pair him with Ben Simmons. You have Jimmy Butler you bring in, Tobias Harris. And then you've got some role players. The biggest concern that these gentlemen had as far as the Sixers' title chances go was could Philly really go all the way with a 30% three-point shooter and Joel Embiid at the helm, plus Ben Simmons, who can't shoot the three to save his life. I mean, I'm sure by now you've seen that viral video of this robot hitting shots from just in front of half court. I mean, it takes him a long time to load up and get right. I mean, this robot's not ready to step on the floor and take Simmons' job, but it's got to make him sweat a little bit. I don't get what it is with Simmons. I don't know if it's a psychological thing. I don't know if he's hitting them in practice. Ben Simmons plus Joel Embiid, that's not a title-winning recipe. You need to be able to shoot in this day and age. You saw Steph Curry just break the record for most three-pointers in a postseason career. Breaks Ray Allen's record. Well, you can't compare those two. Two different eras of basketball. The old game and the new game, that's what we're looking at. That's what we're living in right now. And the new game, the modern-day game, means you guys shoot the three consistently. And, you know, they're a good team. Philadelphia's got a lot of talent on that team, good enough to be where they are as a three-seed in the Eastern Conference. But to make a serious title run, and here they went all in, I don't think it's going to happen. In fact, I'm not so sure that they're even going to get by Brooklyn in the first round. Toronto, I think, is going to be okay. I'm saying Toronto is going to be okay. They're going to right in the ship and get by Orlando. But Brooklyn is a different animal. They're a gritty, scrappy group. And Philly's already in a deficit. You almost have to win game two. It almost becomes a must win because you don't want to go to Brooklyn down 2-0. 
And if Philadelphia doesn't win an NBA title this year, how much blame does come upon Elton Brand as a general manager? That's what these two gentlemen were getting at. How much blame falls upon the GM, the one who constructed this team the way he did? You knew it was going to be Embiid's team. He's the de facto leader. But in all honesty, the way this team is set up, you need that to be Jimmy Butler. You're just not going to win in the modern NBA if two or three top options cannot be reliable outside shooters. What else do we learn from this NBA playoff weekend before we sign off here in the sports pen? We learned that the Celtics need Kyrie Irving. If they want to win a championship this year or in the near future, they need Kyrie. No matter what the numbers say, maybe Boston's better without him. Yeah, we all had those doubts in the regular season. I certainly did. But the way Kyrie was able to will the Celtics to victory yesterday, him along with Marcus Morris, he showed exactly why you need that guy on your team if you're going to contend for a title. One of the best finishers in all of basketball. Already got a championship ring back in 2016. He hit the biggest shot of that final series. He showed you why you need him on your roster if you really want to contend. We also learned the Celtics can get it done defensively, albeit they were playing against a team that was without their top player in Oladipo. But Boston, who was trailing at halftime, holds Indiana to eight points in the third quarter after they went over 20 in the first two. And while Oladipo wasn't playing for Indiana, you got to keep in mind Marcus Smart, the team's energizer bunny at both the offensive and defensive ends, wasn't in the game either. Real quickly before we sign off, I want to go to the NHL, take a look at the playoff picture there. Four games tonight, an absolute must-win for the Hurricanes against the defending Stanley Cup champs, the Washington Capitals. Caps with a chance to go up three games to none tonight in Raleigh. Elsewhere, Dallas and Nashville, that series even at 1-1. to I thought Nashville would win it four games to one. I didn't expect Dallas to get their win in the first game of the series, but they are tied 1-1 as they get set for Game 3 tonight. Toronto came out and punched Boston in the mouth in their first game of their series, and Boston roared right back with maybe a little help from Rob Gronkowski in the front row, front and center, helping Boston get to victory. They are tied 1-1 in that series. They will play again tonight. And then Calgary and Colorado, the Avalanche, taking a game in that series against the top seed in the West. Big game three coming up this evening. And don't forget, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the top overall seed in the NHL this year at 62-16-4, are down three games to none to the eight-seeded Columbus Blue Jackets. I know they don't go by straight seeding in the NHL playoffs, but either way, even if they did, it would be the 1-8 matchup. Tampa would be the one, and Columbus would be the eight. So Tampa Bay is on the brink of elimination. They need to come back and win four straight against Columbus to keep their magical run alive. My Penguins are still hanging on by a thread. They're still clinging to life. But this, this Lightning series, is the one I'm most invested in this first round because said on the show last week, if they don't win it this year, where can they improve? What position group could get better? I don't want to write them off yet, though, because they won 62 out of 82 for a reason. They're a good team, and it's far from over. It's going to be far from easy for Columbus to close out this series. That is it for us in the sports pen. Once again, I'll be back in the studio tomorrow. Make the drive up to the UP after this. 
too snowy down here in Milwaukee. I came in to basically a blizzard yesterday. Enough of that. Let's get spring here. I will be back talking at you tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central, right here on ESPN-UP, online with our app. If you missed any part of our show, it's available in the on-demand section of the free mobile app. Just get it from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Search ESPN-UP. Thanks again for tuning in. Signing off from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports.